Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sangadi karab, guten tak, jiao, wee vakat bang, half a day, jai janendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how? Vegan. From the new right-left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Corp Corp Nation in the cheese-covered post-constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy mocracy criminocracy unchallenged by meaty-a-meaty-ocrity foodborne in the NSA, NRA, CIA, USA home of Uncle Salmonella where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts and the Wall Street backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, sponsored in part today by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, yoga practitioners, and yes, vegans get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash gvr as in Go Vegan Radio, and get a quote, see if you qualify, and check out the lower rates you get for being vegan. That's healthiq.com slash gvr. I can't believe I have finally torn myself away from Radio Bobby, uh, becoming more and more impossible for me by the minute. You know, I just, I don't know, the music is just so... Addictive. I I should have started this podcast actually hours ago, actually days ago. I just keep thinking, you know, one more song, just one more song, then I'll, you know, start the podcast. And this is the same thing all week long, all all week. It's you know, one more song, and then I'll make that phone call. You know, so anyway, I guess I guess I've uh, reached the one more song limit, and here we are. Although. Now I'm uh, regretting not having Radio Bobby in my headphones as I do this podcast or radio show or whatever it is that we are doing here. Um, Not that it seems like, you know, I'm not paying attention to this show enough already. You know, I need I need to be listening to my music station on my cell phone while I'm while I'm talking to you. I don't know. Um, I just know that there's there's music on Radio Bobby right now, this moment. I'm I'm suffering remorse for missing it. Um, and by the way, listening to Radio Bobby is doing something. Okay, it's not doing nothing. You know, so don't feel guilty. Uh, if anything, Radio Bobby is great. You know, just song after song, as I said. You know, for for petting the loved ones in your life. The puppies, the kittens, and the other species whom you love. Um, If petting is still a politically correct term for the non-sexual affectionate stroking of companion animals, um, totally consensual, I can assure you. Daisy Daisy consents. Um, So I guess my bumper sticker would read, I'd rather be listening to Radio Bobby. And I thank Andy, someone who appreciates the finer things in life, um, for sending along a compliment, which, you know, I I don't really want to feed my ego and read something that's a compliment, but, you know, most of the podcasts I watch, the 
they're always they're always reading listener feedback uh, saying oh how great you are you know i watch lionel for example his uh, conspiracy theories lionel was was he on the air america radio network or was he on one of the air america radio stations upon which go vegan radio with bob linden was broadcast uh Yes, we were on the Air America Radio Network with people like Rachel Maddow when uh, some of us actually made sense. Um, so anyway, um, I got a compliment. I got a compliment, so I, I have to share it with you. Forgive me. It's so rare. Um, so it says, uh, quote here, Bob, I have to tell you that Radio Bobby is the most fantastic thing ever. It's like listening to the record collection I never had but wished I did. Um, now, here, here's the most important part of uh, what uh, Andy wrote to me. She says, you're a genius. I don't, sorry, I don't want to interrupt myself. Now, oh, it says, you're a genius. And it's got only vegan ads. Thank you, Andy B. Thank you, Andy. So, uh, did you hear the part about uh, my being a genius? Um, well, it's, it's not that hard when it just, you know, the answer to everything is go vegan. So I just, uh, I just seem like a genius because, well, the answer to everything is go vegan. <laughs> it is. Um, so anyway, where was I? Um, all right, I'm 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 going to have to you know just uh, resolve with myself that it'll be a while before I turn Radio Bobby back on Radio B O B B Y dot com. Check it out. Um, no, you know, all the ads are vegan. And the music is like the record collection you wish you had, but don't, but can hear now at radiobobby.com. Okay. Um, I'm actually feeling somewhat excited about developments in the world. It's kind of the same excitement I felt when when the Berlin Wall came tumbling down, which uh, I remember to be November 9th, 1989. And I only remember that because I Googled it seconds ago. Um, and uh, really, not that, I, not that I really had any understanding of geopolitical realities back then, uh, but it just seemed like, you know, to be the impossible happening, you know, and the good impossible, something that was impossible that was actually good because we saw a lot of possible and impossible bad all the time. But here we had the impossible happening, the good impossible, like uh, it seemed like, oh, the poor people in the, in the communist East are now being liberated, you know, so... Um, Come to think of it, I actually felt that same way when the Vietnam War ended, which I believe was 1975, after uh, the after personally protesting against it. it. Must have been since 1968 because I remember we 
stood up out of our seats at Stuyvesant High School and joined the march against the Vietnam War that had to be around, well, I graduated in 69, so it had to be, it was probably 68, and we shut down the Long Island Expressway, um, and, uh, you know, as we walked along the Long Island Expressway, the construction workers were spitting on us from above that we were so un-American because, you know, all you have to do is say, you know, we're doing something for democracy and like, right? So what were we doing? You know, so it was kind of interesting back then because I was draft age. We actually had a draft and if we wanted to end wars in which America engages, endless wars, all we need to do is uh, reinstate the draft and see how quickly the wars end uh, when, uh, you know, people who don't want to go to war are are told, you have to go across the world and kill somebody, you know, who never did anything uh, to you, except, you know, go across the the other side of the world, kill somebody, or, or be killed. And back at that time, well, the Vietnam War ended because we were seeing the body bags returning home, the coffins returning home. We don't see that anymore. Um, It's all sanitized. It's all beautiful fireworks. It's uh, Brian Williams proclaiming how beautiful it is to see American missiles explode, killing people, destroying uh, whomever, whatever, Um, killing animals, right? Other, you know, other, other than humans. Um... So that was exciting to see the war end back then, the impossible happening, uh, the good impossible happening, and then actually the good impossible was when uh, LBJ decided he wasn't going to run for another term of office. We are equal opportunity dislikers of presidents. Uh, We have a long history. Um, I think we like JFK, um, I was very young at the time, and he, you know, we the country was definitely infatuated with uh, JFK, and uh, his assassination was quite the blow. And since that time, uh, it seemed like presidents have been just these strange, immoral characters, you know. So uh, we did not like LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, so. Uh, when he decided, when he announced he wasn't going to run for another term of office, yeah, that was like the Berlin Wall coming down. It was like the Vietnam War ending. And also when Nixon was forced to resign from office in 1974, um, the only president ever to resign from office. Shouldn't they all have resigned from office, really, when you come right down to it? Um, You know, all wars are unconstitutional unless Congress declares them. I think that Rand Paul was trying to uh, uh, reinstate the Constitution uh, just days ago in the U.S. Senate, uh, trying to uh, reaffirm uh, what is constitutional, and it is that only Congress can declare war, but it seems that presidents uh, seem to declare war and expand militarism and... uh, Uh, that's all unconstitutional, um, therefore treasonous, but who's, who's looking, right? Who's counting? Um, but at times it seems like, you know, the impossible happens and the impossible is, uh, something good. And I do believe we may be seeing the 
so-called, you know, what's been sold to us as the animal rights movement, crumbling right before our very eyes. Huh? And uh, please, uh, let us let us pray. Let let us pray for it to happen. Huh? Let us pray. Well, I suppose we'd be praying again to the same God that the Humane Society of the United States says put animals on earth for humans to eat. And uh, there you have the religiosity of uh, Pastor Wayne Pacelli and the Humane Society of the U United States. Uh, I mean, Saint Wayne. Saint Wayne Pacelli. Uh, or is Wayne Pacelli God himself, or does he uh, just have God's cell phone number and God texted him saying, uh, you know, I put animals on earth for humans to eat. You know that, right? So, um, yeah, that's uh, what we get. God put animals on earth for humans to eat, which is not a good religion for a corporation that claims to be the number one animal protection organization in the USA, perhaps the world, with its, uh, including its Humane Society, Internacional, a member of an international livestock federation um, whose mission is to meet the needs, the increased demand for livestock products, a 70% uh, increase in demand for livestock products by 2050. That is the mission of this international livestock federation in which the Humane Society International is a member whose president, uh, until only recently, has been Kitty Block, who has now been promoted to Chief Executing Officer of HSUS, I mean uh, Chief Executive Officer of the Humane Society of the United States, replacing St. Pacelli, um, who praised her appointment as his replacement, you know, and uh, to tell you the truth, I don't think one wants uh, to be getting high praise from Wayne Pacelli at about this time these days. Uh, anyway, praise from Pacelli right now. Not very good. Not very good for Kitty Block. Oh, and praise for Pacelli. Mm. Not very good for Alex Hershaft. Alex, 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 what are you thinking? But then again, I've been asking that question for so many years. Huh? May I remind everyone that I have been calling for Alex Hershaft's resignation. What is it now for six years, seven years? Huh? Alex Hershaft, who considers himself the patriarch of the animal rights movement. Patriarch is not not in, not not in these days, uh, especially patriarch doing the wrong thing. Uh -uh, not good. Um, and apparently, uh, Alex Hershef, the uh, self-appointed uh, patriarch of the animal rights movement, apparently he, he has worshipped uh, God in human form, meaning Wayne Pacelli, for a long, long time. Uh, after all, Hershef is only the patriarch of the animal rights movement. Pacelli is... Uh, you know, patriarch of the universe, 
talking to God, getting the word from God that uh, other animals were put here for humans to eat. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was in a Washington Post, uh, you know, that was documented in that CIA rag, the Washington Post, or Washington Compost, the Washington Post, which received $600 million from the CIA uh, to influence the news, perhaps, huh? So, anyway, yeah, that is the faith outreach uh, position of the number one animal protection organization on God's earth. And so her chefs, and, and you know, what, what's strange is uh, that it would take that position and uh, Wayne Pacelli would be God to Alex Hershaft. They don't take the position that uh, actually was God's first commandment, if we're going to get all biblical here. Genesis book 1, verse 29, that says something to the effect of, Behold, I have given you every herb that grows on the face of the earth, meaning every plant, every tree with fruit in it that has seed in it. This will be your food, period. End of discussion. That's what God said humans are to eat. Wayne Pacelli would disagree. Wayne Pacelli takes the opposite position of God. Doesn't doesn't that the one who took the opposite position of God has a name, huh? <laughs> so anyway, Hershaft says uh, to to God Pacelli or the devil Pacelli, "Your will be done. I will craft an animal rights conference of many cubits." and hectares, 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 <laughs> and it will be devoted to using animals as God intended, Hershaft says. Let there be cage-free eggs at the Animal Rights Conference. Let there be furnished battery cages at the Animal Rights Conference. Let there be the reducitarian message of Eat smaller steaks to save animals at the Animal Rights Conference. Let there be clean lab meat made from animals and grown with the blood of unborn cows at the Animal Rights Conference. Let there be speakers from organizations that are run by pig farmers and who distribute coupons for discounts on Bacon at the Animal Rights Conference. Let there be organizations who partner with United Egg Producers at the Animal Rights Conference. Inexplicably allowed, uh, you know, but there you have the clueless Alex Hershaft. Clueless Alex Hershaft. And... Uh, I don't know. Clueless Alex Hershaft. He, he came to prominence because he uh, has the compelling story of his family escaping the Holocaust when he was a child. Um, and then he went on to organize a charity for animals, which, you know, seemed, seemed great way back when, right? That which one can interpret to mean you know, we are against all Holocaust, right? I mean, he escaped the Holocaust and now he's rising up against uh, all 
violent oppression and killing of the innocent, human and non-human. <sighs> Except, unfortunately, Alex, 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 he has uh, strayed. He's been uh, totally inconsistent with the moral values initially attributed to him. Uh, most, uh, you know, hypocritically, ironically, his dropping of opposition. Well, I mean, there, there, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot with Alex, but his dropping of opposition to those uh, furnished uh, cages, furnished battery cages. Huh? I mean, the uh, or they're, they're called uh, furnished or modified or enriched battery cages. Alex fell right in line with the inexplicable partnership of his animal rights movement under the decree of God, apparently, who before, and God in this case, of course, Wayne Pacelli, uh, or at least the one who talks directly or texts, texts God directly, uh, all of the groups, all of the groups of the animal rights movement were opposed to these battery cages. Their website saying, oh, these, these furnished, modified, enriched battery cages are completely unacceptable because they're so damaging physiologically and psychologically to the birds. They were all against these battery cages. Um, and actually, you know, I mean, even to the amazement of, and I believe his name was Gene Gregory, uh, then president of United Egg Producers, his son Chad succeeded him, uh, the way Kitty Block uh, succeeded Wayne Pacelli, uh, you know, in the same egg industry, basically. Uh, so Gene Gregory, way back when, uh, I, I, I heard a, a talk of his on, I think it was called Poultry Press, where basically he was saying the egg industry was, was crashing, was practically on its last legs, and then along comes Wayne and HSUS, and out of the blue, you know, astonishing even to United Egg Producers, HSUS comes to the rescue of the egg industry, reversing its position, um, and, uh, you know, turning the entire animal rights movement around the complete turnaround in support of the battery cages that the egg industry wanted so that the egg industry could have the animal rights seal of approval um and so what happened was those concentration camps that alex hershaft used to oppose um were now accepted by him you know so the birds got the shaft. The birds got the shaft from her shaft, who explained his reversal to support Pacelli's battery cages and the egg industry's battery cages uh, at his uh, so-called animal rights conference, or ARCON. I mean, it was total gibberish. Total gibberish. Uh, uh, when he uh, dropped out. So he said, oh, he said he wasn't supporting... Uh, enriched, modified, furnished battery cages like uh, the rest of the animal rights movement, you know, groups like the Humane Society of the United States and Mercy for Animals and Farm Sanctuary and who else? In Defense of Animals, all, you know, now supporting those uh, horrific battery cages. 
the ones they used to oppose. Hershev said he wasn't uh, supporting those battery cages now. He was just dropping his opposition to them. Uh, Why would that be, huh? Why? Why, Alex? So that all of those groups would still attend your animal rights conference and be the main speakers there, the ones who now sell us uh, cage-free eggs, that horror. Alex, 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 I don't know. I mean, um, I I just don't know what what you're thinking, Uh, you know. And also your other campaigns, your other campaigns. I mean, don't you know that uh, Meatless Mondays or what do you, yeah, Meat Out Mondays? The egg industry thanks you, Alex, for its highest egg sales in 30 years. That's right. Uh, What was his name? Paul Souder, chair of the American Egg Board, says that thanks to Meatless Mondays or Meat Out Mondays, Highest egg sales in 30 years. And then what else do we get from Alex Hershaft and Farm and his animal rights conference? We get the meat out, meat out, one day a year. One day a year, huh? Uh, don't eat meat, right? So, uh, all right. And so what are our messages from Alex Hershaft, huh? From meat out Mondays. Go ahead. Meat out Mondays. Go ahead. Eat meat six days a week. Just not on Mondays when you eat lots of dairy and eggs. And then on Tuesdays, you'll probably double the amount of meat to make up for the sacrifice of Meat Out Monday. And then uh, the message with uh, his other big meat out, you know, to to give up meat just uh, one day of the year, means go ahead, eat meat 364 of the other days of the year. Um, Not to mention dairy, fish, honey, eggs. I don't know. Um, is Hershef gone from farm yet and uh, the animal rights conference yet? Huh? I mean, uh, so many of uh, his star speakers are there, but Alex just, you know, he just doesn't know sometimes what he's doing. Like that gibberish, that gibberish at the animal rights conference to explain how he reversed himself on the cage-free eggs. And and the fact that he would have all of these groups at his animal rights conference, all these groups who support everything from those uh, furnished battery cages to cage-free eggs where it's uh, all the male chicks are ground alive right after birth. The females are mutilated, harshly imprisoned, all murdered. Nobody gets out alive. And these are the campaigns of the animal rights movement, as I said, the reducitarian. Well, anyway, so Alex has really lost it, you know. And uh, as I said, not a really good time to be praising Wayne Pacelli. And so we go to uh, what? What is it? It's uh, Nonprofit Chronicles. That's that website, which shows us a recent tweet. From Alex Hershaft, you know, just just with his pulse, with with his hand on the pulse, right? Alex Hershaft writes to Wayne Pacelli, Wayne, you have my continued admiration and gratitude 
for all you've done for animals. We have not always agreed on strategy, but I have, I have never doubted your vision and good works. I am really sorry about how they've treated you, but I know that you have the strength of character to persevere in you life's mission. I guess there's a typo there, probably meant to say persevere in your life's mission. Anyway, uh, Alex uh, concludes in his uh, tweet to Wayne, or was this on Facebook? Um, so he says, let me know if I can help in any way. Hmm. So, as it says here in this uh, article in Nonprofit Chronicles, the headline, Alex Hershaft, an animal rights pioneer with a uh, hashtag MeToo problem. And I'd say that that... Uh, the, oh, I'm sorry. Face, it, it was on Facebook. It wasn't a tweet. It was on uh, Alex Hershaft uh, on um, uh, on Wayne Pacelli's Facebook page. Okay, let me let me correct that. Get it right. Alex Hershaft writing on Wayne Pacelli's Facebook page. Wayne, you have my continued admiration and gratitude for all you've done for animals. Which Alex is nothing. It's zero. What has he done? He's normalized violence and killing. He's done nothing for animals. He's been ant he's had an anti vegan message. He has he, he he's been horrible for animals. I mean all right. Alex continues. We have not always agreed on strategy, but I have never doubted your vision and good works. By the way, um if you recall, Wayne Shun was on this show just a few weeks ago talking about his meeting with another HSUS operative, Josh Balk, um, talking about uh, strategic communications, uh, talking about how HSUS doesn't always tell the truth, to, uh, tell the public about its, its intentions. So basically, it, uh, it lies. So... Um, I don't know. All right, am I am I drawing this out too much here? Okay, let me let me let me keep on going here. All right, Alex Hershaft writing to Wayne Pacelli on Wayne Pacelli's Facebook page. Wayne, you have my continued admiration and gratitude for all you've done for animals. We have not always agreed on strategy, but have never doubted your vision and good works. I am really sorry about how they've treated you, but I know that you have the strength of character to persevere in, he meant to say, your life's mission. Let me know if I can help in any way. So I will continue reading from the uh, nonprofit chronicles here it says quote women were enraged and said so her chef then decided uh, oh her chef then deleted his praise for Pacelli along with the uh, critical reactions to his praise for Pacelli apparently uh, and then did the best to apologize without mentioning Pacelli so then on Facebook Alex Hershaft wrote Several days ago, I posted on someone's Facebook page praising his contribution to animal protection. Uh, that post was interpreted by some as my condoning sexual harassment in the workplace. 
I unequivocally reject and condemn such harassment. I regret making the post, and I sincerely apologize to anyone who was hurt by it. It says here, uh, This again was met with derision, including this from Andrea Jacobson. Your comment was not just on someone's Facebook page. Your comment was to a serial sexual harasser of women, someone who stole unknowable power, heart, and good work for animals from these women. Your comment uh, revealed your sympathies for a man who accomplished nothing without the labor of people beneath him. Uh, many of uh, women he abused. Your praise belongs to those who came forward to speak out against his violence. This non-apology non says everything. Um, you don't get it. Our movement exists because of the labor of the women in it, and we deserve better from our leadership. We deserve to be our leadership. It's time for a change. Continuing here on this webpage, Hershef subsequently deleted the apology as well, but it was too late. Um, and earlier in this, uh, let's see, talked about, let me see if I go up here, because I started this in kind of the middle here. Um uh, this article started, uh, as I said, the headline, Alex Hershaft, an animal rights pioneer with a uh, hashtag MeToo problem. It says, yet another prominent animal rights activist is being accused of treating women badly. This time the spotlight is trained on Alex Hershaft, an 83-year-old Holocaust survivor, the founder of a pioneering farm animal protection group, and the organizer of the animal rights movement's oldest and most important conference. Uh, I may add, LOL. Um, it goes, goes on to say here, uh, Andrea Jacobson and Kara Fry, who formerly worked for Hershaft, are urging him to cede control of the Animal Rights National Conference, which he has run for more than 35 years. Others... Women and men agree. Quote, If you want what is best for the movement, Fry wrote on Hershef's uh, Facebook page, step down from your position of power over the Animal Rights Conference. We need a diverse team of activists co-chairing the conference before it can become a safer, more inclusive meeting place. End quote. Um... Here's another quote. Should Alex uh, step down as conference chair? Uh, yes, of course, says Patrice Jones, a longtime animal rights activist who has uh, clashed with her shaft. She says, quote, We need a national conference at which every sector of the movement is represented, where attendees actively confer with each other rather than passively listening to movement stars pontificate where everyone has the chance to hear the newest and most innovative ideas, ideas while assessing the success 
or lack thereof of ongoing efforts and where everyone can focus on doing that important work without worrying about being groped or otherwise harassed, end quote. Hershaft uh, told me, meaning the writer of this, uh, the writer of this being Mark Gunther, scroll back down, Gunther saying, Hershef told me that he's made mistakes, but that he is neither sexist nor abusive toward women. His accusers, he said, have an axe to grind. But he also disclosed that he is planning to turn the AR conference over to his longtime associate, Jen Riley, who can lead it, quote, with my help, of course, end quote. Well, that's kind of weird, huh? Wow. But he is the patriarch, isn't he, of the animal? <laughs> That's, wow. So um, he's going to, uh, he's planning to turn the AR conference over to his longtime associate, Jen Riley, who can lead it with his help, of course. Okay. So by email, Hershaft wrote to the writer of this article, I dread for the future of our movement until this hatred and anger calm down, end quote. By the way, I must say, I am not in this movement. I am an outside observer. I just want you to realize I am in a, a vegan movement. That's, I'm, in, I'm in, you know, vegan activism. I have nothing to do with uh, the groups and the campaigns of uh, the movement represented by Hershaft and all of these people. I, I you know, uh, I'm just, I'm not, that's... Not my movement, sorry. Uh, not my. I, why am I saying sorry? That's not my movement, happy to say. Uh, continuing with this article here, it says, The thing is, Hershaft has no one to blame but himself for his current troubles. He set off a, a firestorm when he posted a comment on Wayne Pacelli's Facebook page supporting the former chief executive of the Humane Society of the U.S., who resigned on February 2nd amid allegations of sexual harassment. And, uh, of course, you know what he posted on Pacelli's uh, Facebook page because I read it to you numerous times moments ago. Um, and then uh, we uh, read uh, about his non-apology, what Andrea Jacobson said. And then uh, we said Hershef subsequently del deleted the apology uh, as well, but it was too late. Fry and Jacobson came forward to describe what they experienced as an abusive workplace at FARM, uh, or FARM Animal Rights Movement, the small nonprofit led for many years by Hershaft. Others said that women and people of color were relegated to secondary roles at the annual animal rights conference and that Hershaft was slow to respond to reports of sexual harassment at the event. The campaign against Hershaft follows successful efforts led by women to uh, shame Pacelli, Paul Shapiro, formerly of the Humane Society, and Nick Cooney, formerly of Mercy for Animals, over allegations of sexual harassment. All have denied the charges. Uh, for the most part, all are out of the movement for now. Continuing here, it says, Hershaft is right about one thing. Some women in the movement are angry. Um, uh, 
emboldened by this uh, hashtag MeToo moment. Some are speaking out for the first time about mistreatment that they have experienced or witnessed for years. More broadly, they are uh, voicing long-simmering frustration about what they see as an injustice, the fact that a relatively small number of men have held power in the movement and take credit for its success, while women did most of the work. I wouldn't take credit for this movement, please. There, what? What success? Please. What's going on here? Um, let's see. A former Humane Society of the U.S. executive named David Willis was sued for sexual harassment and fired by HSUS way back in 1995. Last year... Uh, that's Wills, David Wills, was charged in a Texas federal court with sexually assaulting a nine-year-old girl. That's a former HSUS employee here. Uh, it says the allegations against Hershef did not rise to the level of heinous behavior. Uh, thank goodness, uh, the writer writes. He says mostly he stands accused of being sexist, insensitive, and abusive, a word that means different things to different people, uh, and of uh, leering at women. Uh, what women are saying. Uh, here's a sampling of the allegations from Facebook and in follow-up interviews with uh, Nonprofit Chronicles. Stephanie Bain, a West Coast animal welfare activist, said to her shaft on Facebook, I was helping run the animal place table at AR 2016, where we had a human-sized battery cage on site. We invited you to step inside the cage, and you made sexually suggestive comments about getting into the cage with me and two of my female co-workers. Women activists shouldn't have to be subjected to overt sexualization by the organizer of the National Animal Rights Conference. Um... Kara Fry, who worked at Farm for five years, said Hershaft occasionally insisted that staff members work at the farm office, which was located in the Bethesda, Maryland home, uh, or uh, his, uh, located in his Bethesda, Maryland home, until well past midnight. Uh, quoting her, she says, going to the office to work late at night was uncomfortable. Uh, several staff members said Hershaft has a habit of uh, staring at women's breasts. Uh, this is evidently an old habit. A book called Girls to the Front about the D.C. women's punk rock movement quotes a woman who in 1991 worked part-time at the farm animal reform movement, uh, as it was uh, called back then, whose uh, director was an, uh, it says here, I'm still quoting, whose director was an old guy who wouldn't stop staring at her breasts. Uh, another longtime farm employee said he would watch porn on his computer if I were working past 7 or 8 p.m. I'd hear moaning and spanking sounds. Uh, one staff member stumbled across uh, signage from sex parties held at his home. Uh, Andrea Jacobson, who spent nearly three years at Farm, said she was uh, discomforted uh, this when Hershaft asked to hold her hands after a meeting. Uh, she recalled that during evenings at the AR conference, 
which features a lively bar scene, she would see her boss, quote, uh, pin women against the wall and kiss them, uh, and quote, uh, but still, I'm still quoting this article here, it says, whether these encounters were consensual or not, she couldn't say, but they set the wrong tone, she said. Let's see, anyway, I uh, guess you can just uh, go on to uh, read... Uh, Read all, you know, read all about this uh, on your own here. Um, let's see what's uh, developing uh, with the AR conference. I mean, uh, it looks like Jen Riley has some concerns about the, um, you know, how uh, how things are uh, going to proceed uh, with the AR conference and. Let's see here. Down at the bottom, we're seeing the whole collapse of the animal rights movement, or what has been sold to us as the animal rights movement. And uh, let's see, there was another. Let's see here. Huh. Did I leave a comment? Uh, I think there was also uh, an article scrolling down, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, yeah, another article that was in. <laughs> wow, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Also in Nonprofit Chronicles. And uh, the headline of this article At Mercy for Animals. No Mercy for Women. Again, written by Mark Gunther. And uh, it says, the uh, hashtag MeToo problem rocking the animal welfare movement is about more than men who treat women badly and the women who are now speaking out. It's about toxic cultures, failures of leadership, and a lack of accountability. Uh, he writes here, last week it was the Humane Society of the U.S. This week, it's Mercy for Animals. In the last three days, Christina Wilson, who still works at Mercy for Animals, and Jaya uh, Bumitra, who left in 2016 and now works at Animal Equality, came forward to accuse Nick Cooney a prominent animal welfare activist of harassing and bullying them while he was executive vice president of Mercy for Animals. The timeline is important. Wilson, uh, and I'm quoting the article here. The timeline is important. Wilson's troubles began in 2016 and Bumitra, uh, Bumitra's go back to 2015. Both say they told managers about the problems with Cooney, who left MFA in November only after donors complained about his behavior. Uh, the women weren't alone in suffering abuse from Cooney, insiders say. Krista Hidema, uh, a vice president at MFA, said, quote, Sadly, Christina and Jaya are in good company. There are many other women who have similar experiences with Nick. End quote. 
Uh, it says, yesterday, February 8th, Nathan Runkle, the founder of Mercy for Animals, apologized online to all these women, disclosing for the first time that he had asked for Cooney to resign after, quote, a growing number of employees, both male and female, expressed their challenges in working with Nick to me, end quote. That's Nathan Runkle saying Nick to me. Uh, that said, it must be asked, why was Cooney allowed to get away with his bad behavior for so long? Why did Runkle, the chief executive of MFA, until very recently, Matt Rice, who is now the group's president, Vandala Bala, uh, its general counsel, and Jake uh, Morton, who oversaw HR, failed to protect women in the organization. To borrow a question made famous by Watergate, what did they know and when did they know it? Before trying to tackle that question, let's hear from the women. First, Christina Wilson, whose powerful Facebook post you can read here, and I therefore I will. She says, Nick Cooney's history of abuse is an open secret and sadly a history with which I have first-hand experience. In the summer of 2016, surrounded by at least a dozen of my co-workers in a large room, Nick ran up to me, gleefully asking who had walked in on him naked earlier that day in our shared accommodations. Finding the accused voyeur was quickly turned into a game. He skipped from person to person for a few moments, finally landing on me. Quote, did you walk in on me? Was it you? He was drunk, sloppy, and giggling. Mortified with my uh, face turning noticeably hot, I looked away. He didn't. Did you see my penis? He demanded again and again. His voice was loud, and while his demeanor seemed giddy, his tone was turning serious. I could feel blood rush to my cheeks as my colleagues and friends turned to watch. Then, even louder, he asked, Do you want to see my penis? Then silence. Finally, he turned and skipped away. Just when I thought the most humiliating moment of my life was over, he called out from the doorway, If you want to... Uh, oh, if... If you do want to, I guess, okay. If you do, all you have to do is ask. There you have it. This is how, this is how Nick Cooney and Mercy for Animals uh, help animals, protect animals. He's skipping around asking who saw his penis. Is it missing? Um, am I getting a gagging reflex in my throat? Do I need to change the subject? This is getting... Um, she goes on to describe a pattern of bullying. It says here, Throughout the majority of last year, I experienced Nick's gender-based gender bullying on a near-daily basis. His actions have dehumanized me, degraded my confidence, devastated my mental health, and made me question my sanity, worth, and competence for the better part of the year. Uh, Jaya... Jaya Bumitra's Facebook post describes interactions with Cooney 
that she says were, quote, fraught with stress and fear, creating an unbearable work climate. End quote there, but continuing to quote the article, they were not sexual in nature, but as she notes, sexual harassment is not the only form of abuse uh, that should be prohibited, prohibited from the workplace. She says about Cooney, he made me question my worth, ability, and sanity. He, uh, an experience I have since learned is a pattern among numerous other women who have worked uh, closely with Nick. Over time, Nick eroded my confidence by continually finding fault with my work, even when I had followed all his instructions, um, not listening to me when I spoke, undermining my authority and going over my head regarding decisions that were in my purview, uh, belittling my ideas and contributions, and publicly and purposefully uh, crediting others for my accomplishments. Nick behaved abrasively toward me when I refused to implement what I saw as unethical campaign actions and discouraged me from seeking counsel from the legal or IT departments when I wanted to vet the liability of those actions to protect the organization. I was disappointed with how my situation with Nick was handled. I was forthcoming about my discomfort with Nick, and the only concrete attempt at resolution was an hour-long mediation uh, mediation call made at my suggestion, which was ultimately unsuccessful because Nick was unwilling to acknowledge any fault. Uh, Bumitra writes that uh, that uh, she told MFA's leadership team, HR, and general counsel. Uh, that she was leaving exclusively because of Nick's sexism, emotional abuse, and bullying. Uh, by phone yesterday, Bumitra stressed to me, the writer of this article, uh, more than once that she ad uh, admires the work of MFA. Okay, we don't need to. We don't need to admire the work of MFA and the. <laughs> the we admire the abusive work of MFA in its support of cage-free eggs and. Uh, uh, Furnished battery cages and so much deceit of the public, and uh, these groups, these groups run run by the abusive, cam abusive campaigns, and and people still don't don't, you know, we don't see the abuse of the animals, do we? Uh, of course, when. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, back to this article here. It says, uh, right, after she talks about, uh, uh, Bumitra said that Cooney left a, a trail of hurt because no one stood up to him. It's not just the perpetrators of the, abuser, of the abuses who are the problem, she said. It's the enablers as well. And the article says that brings us back to Nathan Runkle and Matt Rice, the guys in charge. Runkle deserves credit for apologizing to the three women. Uh, and Rice has put meaningful reforms into place. But it's your, And I'm, I'm quoting this. I don't know if Nathan Runkle deserves credit. I'm just reading the article. It says here, but uh, it uh, sure looks like both were slow to confront Cooney, who joined MFA in 2013. 
Cooney is the founder or co-founder of the Humane League, the Good Food Institute, and the New Crop Capital. Let us, uh, should we engage in guilt by association? And remember here, everybody, everybody should be considered uh, guilty until proven innocent, and then um, guilty even if proven innocent because you know this is the real world but um anyway so um guilt by association nick cooney here nick cooney uh mercy for animals co-founder of the humane league co-founder with bruce friedrich of um, the good food institute he is also associated with animal equality and animal charity evaluators his groups were the only ones to get top rankings from animal charity evaluators uh, and all of these groups so harmful to animals anyway this goes on you know check it out for yourself um, most of these people now are gone I don't know is Alex Hershef still with farm or the animal rights conference or or the gen take it over with his help of course but you can go to nonprofit chronicles um, and uh, read these uh, lengthy exposés, and there's also one on the Humane Society of the United States. And uh, coming up on today's program uh, will be Professor Gary Francione, back from the UK, and we will discuss some of these uh, developments and new leadership in the animal rights movement. I think he also wants to talk about the uh, closed-circuit TV in slaughterhouses, uh, Anyway, Professor Francione coming up uh, later on the program. Uh, I, I hope that this whole abusive animal rights movement, you know, or what's been sold to us as an animal rights movement is just collapsing in front of our eyes now and that, uh, you know, we can all get together for vegan activism, which is what the animals actually need. It's what the planet needs. It's what... Uh, is the solution for human health. Remember how in that fan mail before I was called a genius? It's because I, you know, whenever I, I see a problem, I say I see the solution is going vegan. So uh, human health, oh, the problems, uh, heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes. Um, where is the solution? Go vegan. Wow, that's ingenious. Um, oh, the environment, climate change. Uh, oh, animal agriculture causes at least 51% of all human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. That means animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change. People eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. What is the solution for climate change? Oh, go vegan. We all need to go vegan. How ingenious. Bobby, Bobby, what a genius, right? Um world hunger how can we how can we feed the world how can we end deforestation how can we you know how can we save the billions of animals how can we save the animals from the animal rights movement that thinks god put them on earth to be eaten oh we need a vegan movement okay so uh, the vegan movement is here this is go vegan radio with bob linden um and by the way all of these groups all of those associated with nick cooney and the humane society of the united states have all been receiving millions and millions of dollars from the open philanthropy project and lewis bollard 
who formerly worked for Wayne Pacelli, the abusive Wayne Pacelli at the Humane Society of the United States that uh, only gave us abusive campaigns for animals. Um, so uh, millions and millions of dollars going to these groups to promote cage-free eggs and other animal abuse Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden will not accept a penny from the Open Philanthropy Project, uh, nor nor has a penny been offered, actually. Um, so we depend upon you for tax-deductible uh, donations, and we really, uh, right now, just like within the next week or so, it would really be helpful if we raised uh, $1,500, which basically works out to probably less than one day pay for Wayne Pacelli at the Humane Society of the United States, uh, uh, which, uh, uh, or the uh, former employee of the Humane Society of the United States. So um, if you can help us out with a tax-deductible donation, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we, uh, we'd like to be working on uh, Reggae Vegan Fest so that we can all get together, have a good time, you know, music, it's great, you know, just to to gather uh, with others uh, over music and, uh, you know, strategize. I'm not talking about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the strategies, the strategic communication, <laughs> the lying of, that we've gotten from this uh, so-called animal rights uh, movement. Alex Hershef's definition of an animal rights movement, uh, a movement of total abuse. But anyway, it's crumbling, and we are here to save the animals with a vegan movement, and we will continue. Please make a tax-deductible donation on our website, the website being Go Vegan Radio uh, with Bob Linden. Oh, I'm sorry, it's GoVeganRadio.com. GoVeganRadio.com. You'll find the donate button there. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden is our Facebook page. Our Twitter is at GoVeganRadio. Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and we do have a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Go Vegan Radio, and Radio Bobby, the 24-7 music station that you will love. You will love. It is, as Andy said, the, uh, the record collection that you always wished you had, but didn't. But can hear now if you go to radiobobby.com. That's what I used to do in my in my real life prior to all of this. I was a program director at music radio stations all around the country back when there was actually something called uh, radio. I think it's called terrestrial radio now. How archaic. So, um, oh, and please support us with a tax-deductible donation. Please, please, please. At GoVeganRadio.com, there is a uh, a button there, and uh, you can help us uh, continue the podcast and organize events. 
So, and you can support us through Patreon also. I'm looking at the, uh, you know, I was uh, in the grocery store yesterday. I was in the grocery store. This, I don't know. There's this. Uh, what is it called? It's the grocery outlet in the Bay Area. It's not an ad for it because it's not a vegan store, but it does have a lot of what I would normally buy in natural food stores at really oh, like fifty percent off. You know, so really has a lot of uh, a lot of good organic vegan stuff there. So I'm online, and a guy comes up to the cashier and says he was asking for some some kind of bacon. I don't know what type of bacon it was, but I just felt compelled at the time to say, uh, oh, you know, bacon causes cancer, that the World Health Organization has identified processed meats as a carcinogen. And uh, he said to me, oh, what doesn't cause cancer? And I said, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, and beans. And he thanked me and went on his merry way. Now I'm uh, looking at the website of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and I see a headline that says Doctors Appeal Judge's Decision Allowing California's Schools to Continue Serving Cancer-Causing Processed Meat. I mean, and I'm totally in agreement with this, like, let's call a carcinogen a carcinogen, right? It says, uh, Physicians Committee offers LAUSD, that's uh, LA Unified School District, and PUSD, which is the Poway Unified School District, $5,000 grants to remove processed meat from menus. And the headline of uh, this page is, Stop Serving Students Carcinogens. I mean, let's get real, shall we? It says here... Uh, the Physicians Committee, a nonprofit with 12,000 doctor members, has offered Los Angeles Unified School District and Poway Unified School District in California each a $5,000 grant to remove processed meat from menus. The grant offers uh, coincide with an appeal the doctor's group filed on February 22, 2018, in response to a California judge's ruling that schools should be permitted to serve processed meat, which the World Health Organization has classified as a Group 1 carcinogen. You know something, when, when the World Health uh, Organization classifies something as a Group 1 carcinogen, it means it causes cancer. Why would we have something on the menu for school children that causes cancer. Money, 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 money. So it says here, in April 2017, the Physicians Committee filed a suit to stop California's Los Angeles Unified School District and Poway Unified School District from serving students processed meat, including hot dogs, bacon, and lunch meat, which have strong links to colorectal cancer. The lawsuit filed on behalf of local parents 
allege that serving foods linked to cancer in school lunches violates California's education code, which mandates that school lunches be of the, quote, highest quality and, quote, greatest nutritional value possible, end quote. Cancer-causing meat products are available daily on many California public school menus. Uh, this month, LAUSD's lunch menus feature processed meat including all-star turkey hot dog or mini double dogs, pastrami and cheese croissant, deli turkey and cheese sandwich, and savory sausage flatbread. The breakfast menus feature Hawaiian cheesy ham slider and morning beef sausage sandwich. Here's your plate of cancer. Uh, Poway Unified School District's elementary school lunch menu features turkey hot dogs, pepperoni pizza, and mini chicken corn dog. The middle and high school lunch menu features pepperoni pizza and turkey and cheese deli sandwich. All carcinogenic. Okay, so the court uh, ruled that processed meat can remain on the menu because the state education code does not explicitly bar the practice. What practice is this? Barring the practice of shoving carcinogens down the throats of students? Huh? The school districts had argued that they have the discretion to deem these carcinogenic products to be of the highest quality and greatest nutrition. Wait, this does, I'm not reading this right, huh? What is it? The school districts had argued that they have the discretion to deem these carcinogenic products to be of the highest quality and greatest nutritional value, despite abundant scientific evidence to the contrary. The court wrote that the school districts had no, quote, mandatory duty to identify processed meat as unhealthful or to discuss how and when processed meat would be reduced and or phased out of school menus, end quote. Is that making sense? I don't know. Anyway, so it says here, uh, colorectal cancer is now the second leading cause of cancer death in the United States. The World Health Organization determined that processed meat is a major contributor to the disease in a 2015 report classifying processed meat as, quote, carcinogenic to humans, end quote. The authors highlighted meta-analysis that found an 18% increased cancer risk per 50 grams of processed meat consumed daily. Quote, With colorectal cancer rates steadily climbing in young people, it's time to get known cancer-causing foods like hot dogs and bacon out of the school lunch line. Quote, End quote, says uh, Susan Levin uh, of the uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. It says a recent study published by the National Cancer Institute found that young people today have double and quadruple the risks of colon and rectal cancers, respectively, compared to those born in the 1950s, due in part to high consumption of processed meat. Although California law defers to the 
WHO conclusions in other contexts, including school art supply warnings and the Proposition 65 carcinogens list, the judge rejected the Physicians Committee's argument that the same deference should apply to the cancer-causing food served in public schools. So, anyway, uh, there you have it. There you have it. Um, what else does it say here? In addition to cancer risk, uh, processed meat can also raise the risk of death from cardiovascular disease, America's leading cause of death, according to a 2009 National Institutes of Health study of more than a half million people. So... They're only children, right? They're only children, you know? I mean, we're, we're all concerned about the guns in the schools, right? Guns, keep what? Protect the kids. We need security. We need the army. We need security, armed guards. Uh, but shove carcinogens down their throat, no problem, huh? And... Uh, what, what's interesting, what, what actually backs this up, and I'm so happy to have Health IQ sponsoring our program today. I mean, everything I just said, right? Everything you just heard about cancer risk uh, and death from heart disease. Now we have an insurance company that is offering lower rates to vegans. So, I mean, what, what proof do we need? It's like Health IQ is putting, putting uh, your money where your mouth is. Uh, Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, for vegans. Also, for uh, runners and cyclists and weightlifters, strength trainers, yoga practitioners... Health IQ can save customers up to 33% on life insurance. Health IQ is the fastest growing life insurance company now with over $5 billion in coverage. So see if you qualify, learn more, get a free quote. There are special savings, exclusive rates for vegans. You can take the vegan quiz at healthiq.com slash gvr as in go vegan radio that's healthiq.com slash gvr health iq is the official life insurance partners of usa weightlifting um, health iq reduces your chance of being penalized for adverse family history if you are otherwise healthy and you can still get special rates if you have a pre-existing condition just uh check it out go to the website uh the health iq advantage is its unique mortality model uh based on health conscious living it's lower rates for the health conscious like you know good driver savings on auto insurance so uh, this is really a must for vegans with family responsibilities to check it out. Go to the website, healthiq.com slash GVR. We will have commentary with Professor Gary Francione coming up next on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Again, I ask you to please support this program with a tax-deductible donation 
the listener supported. There's um, a donate button at goveganradio.com. Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden. Um, I, I always forget to mention that we do have a YouTube channel, uh, youtubecom slash GoVeganRadio, and of course uh, the uh, 24/7 music station when you want to just uh, like feel better about life and stop thinking about everything terrible going on uh, it's radiobobby.com so now it's time for weekly commentary with professor gary francione who is just back from the uk how are how are you professor francione i am just fine bob i am just fine and i hope you are as well always um, as good as can be Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Well, uh, you know, I, I just got back from the UK. I gave a um, university-wide lecture at the University of East Anglia uh, last week um, on, um, on uh, animal rights and veganism. And it was actually very interesting because uh, I had a good turnout. And, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, I presented uh, – well, I talked about – how we think about animals and how what we think about animals and the way we think about animals is wrong and problematic. And I discussed these things and I basically concluded that if animals matter morally, people have to stop eating them, wearing them and using them. They're morally obligated to go vegan. And uh, it was interesting. I got a lot of good feedback. There were a number of people who uh, disagreed with me and who uh, made arguments that I did not think were um uh, you know, in in any way compelling. I'm sure that they thought that they were compelling. Like what? Uh, like what? What were they saying? Um, well, I mean, for example, um, the idea that uh, our relationship with animals, uh, you know, that there's a symbiosis. Um, that yes, indeed, um, you know, factory farming is bad, but we can have a healthy symbiotic relationship with animals. And that, to me, is like similar to saying, as as you know, it was. There were arguments made in the 18th century that the relationship of slave and slave owner uh, had symbiotic aspects. That is, you know, uh, uh, the, these, uh, you know, the slaves were removed, taken out of Africa, where you know they were living an uncivilized life, and they were fed, and they were clothed, and they were given access to training in Christianity and things like that. And and they, uh, you know, and, and in return for that, you know, they they performed labor. Now, of course, that's a very peculiar way to describe slavery. Um, they were owned people, and they were they were human beings who were owned by other human beings who had the ability to basically value their interests at zero. And so, um, so to say that there's a, that there was, you know, for for people in the 18th century, and we would all recognize this now. Nobody would say if I were if I were to talk about slavery, human slavery, race based slavery, uh, in the 18th, 17th, and 18th centuries, um, and talked about the symbiotic relationship 
most people would think that that is madness but because we are speciesists we can you know we we can talk about the relationship between humans and non-humans um as having aspects of symbiosis and 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 of course i i just reject that um altogether there were people who were concerned you know who who thought that my that that my my position was not consistent because um, I mean, again, I understand why that argument is made. Uh, you know, the symbiosis argument is made. I reject it because it, it to me, begs the question about, well, you know, if you, if you, if you own these animals and you have the right to kill them, to use them for whatever, you know, for your purposes, whether it's a factory farming situation or not a factory farming situation, it's exploitation. And to say that it's symbiotic um, is, in my judgment, uh, wrong. However, humanely treated the animals are you basically uh, can kill them and use them as resources then i don't regard that you know yes you fed them you you you've given them shelter which you have to do in order to exploit them properly you have to give them some level of 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 uh of food and shelter but so what um you're still exploiting them and so it begs the question as to the legitimacy as to the legitimacy of exploitation but you know i i understand why people make that argument and they say well if you're not doing factory farming then you know you're really doing something good for the animals because you're giving them food you're giving them shelter you're taking care of them and then you kill them and the answer is yes that's the problem you kill them however well you treat them you can you take their lives um and and you exploit and you're them. forcing them to be born into it it's not like oh, right absolutely 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 and so you know uh, and then you know there were arguments made that my 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 position was problematic because i maintain that animals have an interest in continuing to live that we should respect but i don't think that um we should respect the interest that animals have in reproduction. Now, I don't really think animals have an interest in reproduction. I think animals have non-human animals have an interest in having sex. I don't think that they they that they have a preference or desire or want to procreate. I think they have a an interest in having sex. But whether whatever their interest is in this respect. Um, you know, yeah, I agree that we, you know, that, that my argument that we ought to stop producing domesticated animals and we ought to spay, neuter and all, you know, and, and or otherwise sterilize every domesticated animal um, is is problematic in certain respects. But as I say quite a bit, the messes, the moral messes that animals make can't be cleaned up very tidily. And the problem is, is that we brought these animals into existence. And if we respect their right in having sex or procreation or whatever, however you want to describe the interest, you basically end up with, um, you know, you're you're forced to respect an interest which just merely perpetuates the institutionalized exploitation of animals, and and so we shouldn't do that. Um, but you know, with those so are the they have of, an interest in procreating, and then you you kidnap the baby right after birth. So that right, well they they have right, well exactly they have an interest in procreating. So we have to respect that interest, so we can continue to kill them. I mean, there's something very perverse about that. Yeah. But I, I is, is there such a thing as a symbiotic relationship where one kills the other? I'm just wondering. Well, that, that that was that was the that was the point that was being made. Um, but again, you know, these are the sorts of things you hear from non-vegans. Um, the sorts of arguments you hear from non-vegans. Um, we have and, to make something up. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, look, I, I think, um, I think a lot of these folks um, really. I don't think that they're. 
uh, I, I don't think that I think that they really sincerely believe this stuff. I mean, they they really do. And and um, I mean, you know, it's not like the person who says, well, you know, what about plants? You know, I mean, you know, we all deal with those sorts, of, you know, or or boy, Hitler wasn't. You know, I mean, there are people who I think just say incredibly um, silly things, and you know, they say them. Not, I mean, but but the folks. This was a more serious discussion, and the people who were making these arguments were serious people, sure. and I think that they really believe them. And um, and uh, they just you know, didn't get to think about the killing part there at the end, or something. Well, I mean, I, I but see, I think actually one of the things I talked about was that I think many people don't really accept that animals don't have an interest in many people just don't believe that animals have an interest in continuing to live. They, I mean that that Bob, that idea goes back, we've talked about that on your show many times. That idea goes back, you know, to the early eighteenth century and to Jeremy Bentham, who was considered the father of the animal welfare movement, who basically said, Yeah, it was okay for us to keep on using them because they weren't self aware. And they didn't really know what we were taking from them when we took things from them they didn't really know what you know when we killed them they didn't really know what the loss was because they didn't have a sense of their lives and you know now you can say well you know that was crazy but that's what that's what Bentham believed he was a very smart man Singer believes that and whatever you want to say about Singer I mean he really believes that that animals don't have an interest in continuing to live for the most part I mean he, he makes some I think he makes some exceptions for non-human great apes and elephants and animals like that although it's not really but wouldn't, clear. wouldn't there you know moving away from pain you know like reacting to pain and moving away from pain be a sign of that or wanting to live or just... well that, that that that's that's exactly my argument that if you're sentient you have you know that sentience is a means to the end of continued existence so to say that x is sentient but x does not have an interest in continuing to live is a bizarre statement oh you're sl um, oh, you're slashing my throat go ahead who cares well no i mean i i, I think i think um where i think you know to make look let's take the following hypothetical let's assume that um you know you have you don't cause the animal any pain um you you sneak up behind the animal and you put a bullet in the base of the animal's skull and the animal feels nothing. Um, is that still, is that morally okay? And the answer is no, it's not. Not because you've imposed suffering on the animal, but because you've taken the animal's life. Now, many people I know, including many intelligent people I know, would say, well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because you haven't really harmed the animal because the animal doesn't have is not self-aware, doesn't have a sense of his or her life, and and you know I mean yes, if you were to be sl slashing the animal's throat, the animal would be would be struggling um, against that in the same way that the animal would be struggling against any infliction of pain that that you imposed, and so so but but the animal's not struggling against it because the animal is frightened of dying because the animal doesn't really have a sense of the animal is just struggling against pain, and I think that I I actually think that is a position which may seem absurd to me, and it may see absurd seem absurd to you, but I honestly believe that many people believe that on some in some way, and you know, in a, on some level they have that they believe that the problem is suffering, the problem is not use, and and so. You know, so, it, so it, is that like uh, how Wayne Pacelli says that you know they they have a good life, just you know one bad day at the end, which is a big joke, and everybody laughs. Well, you know, 
Yeah, I think I think I I think the whole welfare movement. I mean, if you look at the history of the welfare movement, that idea is very explicit. I mean, that that idea that's that's what I mean that's what Bentham did in the early eighteenth in the early nineteenth century was he said, well, you know, it's all right for us to continue to use them because they they don't know you know they're not aware they're not self aware the way we are so so. It, you know, the cow doesn't care that we kill and eat her. She just cares about how we treat her while she's alive and how we kill her. But but Bentham uh, would most likely have said it's difficult to know because he's dead now. But I, I, based on what he wrote, I think it would be if you had if you said to Bentham, is there anything wrong, morally wrong at all with, you know, having a cow that you've treated very, very well and waiting until the cow is asleep and blowing the cow's brains out without the cow knowing, you know, that this was happening. Uh, is there anything wrong? And Bentham would say, no, there isn't. And, and I mean, surely if you have a human in a situation like this, um, or let's say you have a human who's, you know, like if you don't torture the human, you don't cause the human any suffering you sneak up on the human while the human is sleeping and you put a bullet in the ba base of his or her skull and you kill the person. Well, obviously you haven't made the person suffer because if you do that right, person doesn't feel a thing. Um, and so the person hasn't suffered, but have you done something wrong? And the answer is, yeah, you've done something wrong. What have you done? You killed the person. Well, why is that wrong if you didn't cause any suffering? Well, because the person's got interests that go beyond just an interest in not suffering. Person has an interest in the human has an interest in continued living. And I think that many people don't believe that animals have an interest in continued living. So I frequently run across people who think that, well, if you get rid of factory farming, um, then, you know, first of all, they assume wrongly that um, if you get rid of factory farming and it's a family farm, there's no, you know, the, the suffering on the family farm is, is really diminished. And the answer is that's nonsense. There's quite a bit of suffering on the factory, on the family farm as well. Um, but, you know, so they think that, well, there's, there's, there's little or no suffering on the family farm. That's wrong. But they also think that, well, and there's no problem with killing the animals because if you kill the animals, particularly in a relatively painless way, that's, then you haven't harmed the animal. I think a lot of people believe that. Uh, tons of people believe that. I run into them all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I think that's, I think that's the whole, I think that's the whole, um, I believe that if, you question these animal welfare advocates, these folks that we know uh, who run these groups, if you put the question to them squarely and said, is there anything wrong with killing an animal if you haven't made the animal suffer during his or her life, and if at the moment of death there is no suffering, I think most of them would say that's not a big problem. Hmm. And, and so I, I think that's really the difference between – I think the difference between – the welfare movement and the rights movement, as I have interpreted that, I mean, because other people claim to be animal rights people, and um, but nevertheless, um, I think the difference is the welfareists view animals as having interests in not suffering, and that, that's their primary, you know. But they, and the rights position is, yeah, they've got interest in not suffering, but they also have an interest in continued existence. So using them however painlessly raises serious moral problems. I don't think that that is a big problem for the welfareists. I, I think if you, I, and that's why these people are working, 
you know, or purporting to work or pretending to work. I'm not sure what the right word is there, but um, maybe all of them describe what they're doing uh, in different ways. Um, why they all are focused on factory farming, because they say, well, you know, if you cut down the suffering, then, you know, you basically don't have a moral problem. I disagree with that. I disagree with it. But but anyway, so that's what we talked about at my my session. And <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was quite uh, I was quite happy with it. And um, but sorry, is, that, is that music coming from you or from me? It no, is from me. Ah, oh, Bob, for God's sake, man. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, uh, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was it was my perception that I, I was running into a lot of people in Britain who were into veganism. I think veganism is really, um, uh, and, and there are some, some numbers that are pretty impressive about a number of people who are going vegan in Britain. Yeah, and I'm it's seeing huge. It all, I'm, it's huge, isn't it? I'm seeing, I'm seeing it all over the place. I'm seeing it all over the place. I mean, I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing it all over the place and I'm very, I'm very happy. The problem is, um, you know, you just wonder, is this going to be sustained? And is it sustainable? Um, you know, is it, is it going to be sustained? And the only way it's really going to be sustained is if it reflects a moral paradigm shift. Um, and it's, and also I think people are using vegan in a, a very loose way because, you know, vegan is basically, you know, used by a lot of people to mean they primarily eat plants, not that they exclusively eat plants. So basically like, you know, these, it's very, very common to meet people who, you know, say they're vegan, but then when you talk to them, you find out that they are quote flexible end quote vegans. Veganish. Vegan yeah. Veganish or whatever. So that's, that's what I think, but I'm very happy to, to, you know, at, at what's happening. I think it's exciting. And, um, and I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah. But what is one, so one headline was number of vegans in Britain uh, rises by 360 percent in 10 yeah. years. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, uh, the thing is, we just don't know exactly what that means, and um, you know, there's still a lot of confused thinking uh, in Britain. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, for example, this morning, um, you know, the some of the welfare groups were going crazy because Britain is apparently going to put CCTVs in in slaughterhouses. Now, I, I have to tell you that um, uh, since we're no since you're no longer on on um, broadcast radio and this is a podcast, um, then I think that it is acceptable for me to say that I think that CCTVs uh, cameras uh, rather in slaughterhouses is the sort of thing that gives bullshit a very bad name. It, that, oh, I thought that you were going to say something even worse. So. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which is, there's nothing bad about, you know, it's like, oh, we get caught up in how bad words are, and we, you know, we don't pay attention to actions and deeds, you know. Exactly, exactly. But I, I think... Um, I think that that's bullshit. That that concern about. And what um, do you mean by CCTV? What what? what? Clo closer that they're putting they're putting. There were some un, quote undercover cases in which you know in, in which uh, slaughterhouse workers were shown, um, doing bad things to animals other than what they normally do to animals. You know, kicking them and and grinding cigarette butts out of them or whatever things like that, and. This then caused, um, you know, some of these welfare groups to promote the concept of putting closed circuit televisions in cameras in slaughterhouses. And the government, the um, the uh, Tory government is agreeing to do that. Now, I think this is not only stupid, but I think it's a very bad idea. First of all, 
it's not as if they're going to broadcast this this stuff on television. Not that that would necessarily make, although may make a difference to some people, I guess. I don't know, but um, but they're not going to broadcast it on television. It's going to be accessible to government veterinarians who will be able to review the tapes. Who cares, government veterinarians? I mean, you know, what are they going to do? Number one, number two. Um, if you have a slaughterhouse that is being run perfectly in accordance with the laws and regulations, they're still really horrible places. Number three, there are so many instances in which people can do things to animals beyond the nasty things that are permitted by law um, that, you know, uh, uh, it almost challenges people who want to do such things to sort of up their game and sort of figure out ways to harm animals outside of the normal processes um, w without getting caught on television, on, on, on CC, on closed circuit TV. But the biggest problem is that it reinforces the idea that, you know, by having closed circuit television cameras in slaughterhouses, we're somehow going to stop the abuses, which ignores the fact that the use itself and the slaughtering itself is an abuse. And the slaughtering process is just nothing but one huge instance of abuse. And so that's a sort of, you know, I, I mean, so, so I, I do think that I do think that, um, you know, these these um, uh, uh, campaigns that these folks promote um, really, I mean, you know, the fact that there are more people going vegan doesn't mean that there still isn't an enormous amount of confusion on the part of animal advocates. And Britain is still dominated, as all places are, by these animal welfare businesses and, um, you know, and, and that promote these these crazy ideas. And so when somebody says, well, you know, veganism has 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 uh, grown, you know, X hundred percent in the past 10 years, whatever, um, you don't really know what the hell that means. You don't really I, I, I don't you know, you don't really know what that means, because these groups define veganism in such loose ways um, that you don't really know what is meant. However, I do sense that there's a, a much greater interest. Um, you know, I, I was I was discussing veganism. I had the opportunity to talk to students um, who were not vegans um, uh, uh, about, you know, I spoke to a number of students while I was there about veganism and they weren't, but, and they were engaging me, um, in, they were engaging me in ways that I, you know, I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting the same sort of, of, uh, reaction that, um, is typical where people become very defensive. I think, I mean, I, I was perceiving that the, the young people I was talking to, really saw the logic of it that didn't mean they all were going vegans but they were beginning they didn't they weren't seeing it as a particularly strange idea um but you know as i say there's because still a lot it's of the most normal idea there is right right well i know but you know i know that and you know that but we've both been on the earth long enough to know that many people don't and but there were other things going on while i was in britain that i thought were disturbing like you know a lot of um uh, although it's not clear to me whether this is exaggerated, but there were some claims that um, animal people were threatening farmers. Now, you know, when you actually read what's going on, it's not clear that all of these things constitute threat. I mean, they're protesting what farmers – I mean, the idea that animal people are protesting what farmers do is sort of ridiculous and shows – 
you know, demonstrates the sort of confused thinking that leads people to think that closed circuit TV cameras in slaughterhouses is a good idea. I mean, the problem isn't farmers. The problem is consumers. I mean, you know, the farmers are simply fulfilling a demand. Um, they'll, they'll keep selling beef as long as people demand it and, and until they start demanding bananas, then, you know, they'll grow bananas or they'll perhaps not in Britain. But, um, but, but, you know, so, so there were people who were, who were protesting against farmers, which I think is sort of silly and indicates that, um, some of these animal people don't really, understand some basics and then there were some people who were actually not only protesting farmers but threatening farmers which i think is particularly stupid uh and and counterproductive and wrong and so um you know so there's still a lot of confused thinking going on and um a lot of confused thinking going on and uh yeah you know. yeah well um I don't so know what's hap- what's you, happening here in my if, absence? I've only been back a few days. In yeah, my I, I don't know if you've uh, you, you may have missed the entire collapse of what's been sold to us as the animal rights movement. I I know you've been gone a few days and haven't <laughs> been able to yes. pay attention to everything, but everything's different. It's uh, <laughs> I don't I, you know you you said uh, earlier you were saying well if we ask the people at the groups you know uh, how they feel you know we know these people. We don't know these people. Well, you know, most of the people are are gone now. Uh, oddly enough, uh, from HSUS, we have uh, Wayne Paselli exiting, Paul Shapiro gone, uh, Nathan Runkle out at uh, Mercy for Animals. So is Nick Cooney, um, anim- um, Alex Hershaft under fire at the moment. Um, so um, big changes, big changes happening. Um, uh, but it it wasn't uh, it wasn't the policies toward animals that uh, uh, got rid of all of these people though it was uh, sexual harassment and uh, women speaking up and you know I'm I'm happy for the collapse um, but uh, uh, n- nobody noticed what they were doing to animals that should have gotten them out of their jobs long ago too I think well yeah. you know. Um... As I think we talked about in the last show, um, sexual harassment and generally bad behavior has been a problem in the animal movement. It's not a recent problem. It's been going on for a long time. And um, and as I, 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 I look, I'm not naive enough to believe that we were going to get the movement to, you know, the movement was going to change society um you know, in and of itself, but we did have an opportunity in the late 80s for the movement to take a strong human rights position as a general matter, including and particularly um, the rejection of sexism, misogyny, and patriarchy. And, you know, and what's troubling to me, as I mentioned when we talked about this, I think we talked about this, um, uh, was that, you know, in the late 80s when PETA started its sexist campaigns, which I thought were horribly wrong in all sorts of ways, um, not only wrong inherently that we shouldn't be promoting sexism and, and misogyny, but because it it didn't take advantage of the opportunity to make the animal rights movement a movement of human rights as well and and you know a movement that recognized the inextricable relationship of human rights to non-human rights and and um and that we should have taken that position and we you know that, that peter should have been stopped from doing that the movement 
the rights movement, which existed then, or at least said it existed then, um, should have done something to to cabin that in and to stop it, demand its cessation. And unfortunately, it didn't in large part because the people who identified as feminists refused to take a, a, a public position against uh, PETA because Ingrid Newkirk was a woman. And I think then, I think now, that sort of identity politics is insane. It's completely ridiculous. It's wrong, and it, it, it's, it's morally wrong, and it is strategically um, counterproductive. Um, I mean, the fact that Ingrid uh, is a woman is totally irrelevant. She was promoting something that was wrong. And, and the idea that people aren't going to say anything because she's a woman is just, I think, nonsense. And, um, but, you know, I, some of, I certainly think that this stuff about sexual harassment, you know, if somebody engages in sexual harassment, that's clearly wrong. On the other hand, I do not want I, I will not support the idea that, um, you know, it's better simply to have, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne Purcell is, is out and the woman who took over, is it, what's her, is it, what's her, Block, Kitty right? Block. Kitty Block, Block, right. Kitty Block who ran Humane Society International, which is a horrible organization. As far as I'm concerned, I see no advantage. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm, I don't find it in any way comforting that Kitty Block is a woman um, and that Wayne, you know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, from the from from the standpoint of animal rights, uh, she and Purcell, uh, you know, are just are interchangeable. They both are pro exploitation people. Wayne, and the Wayne fact that a great endorsement, you know, so what does that say? Well, exactly. And so the fact that she's a woman is irrelevant to me. I mean, I had this I had this argument with some of the the folks over at um, Black Vegans Rock and some of these quote intersectional and end quote folks um, who, in addition to not knowing what the word intersectional means, um, take the position that if you're, you know, if you're a minority, then, you know, people, people shouldn't, people shouldn't make moral statements that apply to minorities if they're not members of minorities and only members of minorities can make state, can make moral statements, can make statements about moral obligations that, um, you know, th th that are held by uh, members of minority groups. That's nonsense. That's complete nonsense. And, you know, it leads to people saying, well, you know, Francione shouldn't say that people have, you know, I mean, I was criticized for saying that veganism is a moral baseline because there are poor people um, who find it difficult to be vegan. Well, poverty is a problem and people, you know, and, and it's a problem we ought to address. And I am all in favor of a more democratic socialist system. I think that that would be bad. I think that would be, that would be morally better and it would be better for all of us, actually, if people didn't live in poverty. I mean, poverty is, is bad for everybody. Uh, and it really, you know, we should, we should seek to eradicate it um, because it's morally wrong, but it's also, you know, it, 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 it's, it's bad. Poverty is not a good thing. And, and to say that, well, people, 
who are in inner cities don't have an obligation to go vegan because life is difficult for them. It's, you know, no one would say, well, people who are in inner cities don't have an obligation to not steal from their neighbors because life is hard for them. Nobody would say that, but, um, or, or that it's all right for people to engage in, you know, people who, you know, people who, who live in, in, in socioeconomic deprivation can engage in violence against other people, um, and engage in armed robbery because, you know, you can't say anything about that because um, you know uh, uh, there been a situation of poverty. Nobody would maintain that position. But where animals are concerned, and all of a sudden, well, you know, people are in a situa- situation of socioeconomic deprivation. They don't have a moral obligation to go vegan. Um, and the answer is everybody's got a moral obligation to go vegan in the same way that everybody has a moral obligation to not participate in the unjustifiable killing of human beings, <laughs> you know, and so um, and poverty makes all of them, all moral obligations um, more difficult because poverty sucks and poverty p- puts all sorts of strains and stresses on people. But that doesn't mean that they don't have an obligation to respect the fundamental uh, uh, rights of others. And, you know, we ought to stop, you know, we we ought to stop. Um, I mean, and what, what I also find sort of interesting is that um, when I think about uh, what a lot of these people do in terms of what they've actually done for um, increasing access to plant-based foods in inner cities, I'd like to know what they've done other than talk about it and criticize everybody else for not doing it. And um, some of us have been doing that sort of stuff for years and, you know, have been doing, have been, have been uh, trying to, um, improve situations, improve access to plant-based foods and socioeconomic uh, 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 deprivation areas for a long time. But by plant-based, I, I, I'm presuming you mean vegan. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, yeah, well, right, yeah, exclusively plants. Sorry, exclusively plants. I mean, I, uh, but, but I think, you know, so I think that, that um, you know, and so when I see some of the stuff I've been reading, I certainly think that, you know, the, har- the sexual harassment, I mean, it's been a problem for years, and I'm glad it's finally, you know, that it's finally getting some attention because these these groups have this is not new. I mean, this stuff's been going on for a long time, and there's been, you know, the, the it's been going on for a long time, and it's about time it stopped. Um, so I think that's great. But when I see some of the stuff I see, we say, well, you know, these guy guys are leading the movement, and and we need to have women leading the movement. The answer is no. We need to have abolitionist vegans leading the movement. I would love. You know, I would love to see diversity in the class of abolitionist vegans, but to say that, you know, that that we need to have women leading these groups just because they're women is bullshit. And it's the sort of thing that leads to, you know, saying that, well, you know, I mean, identity politics is is incredibly problematic and, you know, it leads to saying, well, you know, Clarence Thomas, you know, we put a man of color on the Supreme Court um, and, you know, to replace Thurgood Marshall. And that's Clarence Thomas. And the answer is Clarence Thomas and Thurgood Marshall have nothing in common with each other other than the fact that they both were African American. They both are African Americans. But, you know, um, Clarence Thomas is. Clarence Thomas has has views which are are deeply disturbing. And I don't really care. I mean, if 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 the choice was the choice wasn't. But if the choice was. Do you put Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court or do you put a progressive white man on the Supreme Court? The answer is clearly the progressive white man. Obviously, diversity is better, but 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 this the identity politics business, the idea that that it's only race that matters or it's only um, sex uh, or gender that matters is nonsense. It's ideology that matters first and foremost. 
and 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 you know this idea that well you know we've got to we've got to have women running these groups. No, we don't. Kitty Block is running HSUS, and it's still an, it's still a problematic organization. She, she, she's been there what over two decades, and obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously hasn't uh, protested against cage-free eggs or enriched battery cages. No, or, no, no, or, no. Quite, quite the contrary. Humane Society International, which is the organ, which is the arm of HSUS that she's been involved with, is horrible. It's absolutely well. It, it is. It is a member of an international livestock federation. It it, it actually is. You know, along yes. with Cattlemen's yes. Association, yes. dairy, humane, you know, all of that. Humane, so- humane Society International um, has its own brand in, uh, I believe, in Australia. I'm sorry, although, I keep thinking that I cut this off. And uh, yeah. they hum- Humane Society International has its own Happy Meat brand. I think it's 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 uh, I forget what it's called. Um, wow, I haven't but, heard that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they have they have a. Um, Oh God! You know this is this is old age, boy. You know you start forgetting this stuff. But they have a they have a um, they have a uh, a label, you know, uh, uh, in which they they say, you know, they, um, um, I've written about it. I just forgot what it's called, but it's a label. They sell happy meat with an HSI with a Humane Society International label. You and and, and you know livestock producers pay HSI for the privilege of putting this happy meat sticker produced by HSI on their on their their animal products. And so Humane Society International is dreadful. I don't really care whether Kitty Block is a woman. I don't care whether she's a Martian. She's she's got bad ideas. I have no I don't care what she is. Mm-hmm. And so well, well, this idea, a, as I said, it's it's a member of a livestock federation whose mission is to meet a 70 percent uh, increase in demand for so-called livestock products by 2050. That's you know, that's that's the mission of this federation in which HSI is a member. Yeah, but but that's it, it, it's it's a, it's a it's a. This is where you know. This is part of the part of the, the 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 problem is this idea that well we just have to have women or we have to have people of color leading these organizations and the answer is look the diversity would be great but I'm much more concerned about the ideology and the idea and, and the only the only way that you can really sort of pr- you know promote the identity politics and that it's it's simply the gender or the race or you know the whatever that matters. Is if you don't if you don't believe in moral realism and you think that well all of the you know that that if people have non abolitionist ideas those are perfectly legitimate ideas so so that if you know but then then you're you're let you know that then you're you're then you're com- betraying the animals once again well exactly and and that's, always the losers know, yeah exactly and I you know the number of times I've had you know I've been lectured by these by some of these uh, folks who. Are promoting overtly speciesist welfareist nonsense, and then they tell me, "Well, you know, but you are a white man, and you." And, and the answer is, you know what? <laughs> Give me a break. I reject essentialism completely. You have to look at what is said, not who's saying it. And and um, and so the fact that a woman is promoting some speciesist nonsense doesn't make it better than if a man is promoting the speciesist nonsense. So the fact that Kitty Block is promoting animal exploitation is no different from Wayne Purcell uh, promoting animal exploitation. She, she was really big in the uh, what is what, what dolphin safe tuna campaign. I think that was. Uh... 
Yes, I, I remember her. I remember that. I, I don't remember her in that campaign, but I remember HSI. Uh, I guess what that was the that was her. Uh, right. But I don't remember and, her. And you and I would be concerned about the tuna. See, that's the yeah. And and I mean, I I've written about the Dolphin Safe Tuna campaign uh, promoted by by uh, the Humane Society. But um, but you know, so so the fact that you know the fact that. Um, to me, it's irrelevant. If if the position is speciesist, it is irrelevant to me whether it's a man, a woman, a straight person, a gay person, a black person, a white person, a Hispanic person, a non-Hispanic. It doesn't matter to me. It's speciesist, and I'm not going to promote it, and I'm not going to promote the idea that we need to get – you know, we need to get diverse voices promoting injustice. I don't really care. I don't care about – I don't care – for me, the concern is the injustice. I don't really care about. I'm, I'm the with you on that. You, you, you know, you're you're making sense to me. There you go. Yeah, again, and, making sense. And so, so you know, so that's part of. And 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 I wanna I wanna completely separate that from the harass the harassment thing is a problem. And I've been you know I've been saying this for a number of years now. And I I I mean I think that this is a serious problem. I think it's a serious problem that. That groups like Feminists for Animal Rights have put their heads in the sand and have refused to to take a position and be you know and and they didn't in the 90s until into the mid 90s um, to say you know to 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 make a peep about the overt misogyny that PETA was promoting because they engaged in identity politics and because Ingrid was, you know, if a man was doing it, they would go, they'd be upset, but a woman was doing it, so they said nothing for five years. And they let that that nonsense take root, fester, and, and become very pervasive, which it did by 1995, which is when Feminists for Animal Rights finally said something. So I'm all in favor of Saying, look, this you know sexual harassment, you know, ought to stop. Um, you know, it's it's outrageous. Inherently, it's outrageous, but it's particularly outrageous when it's being you know when when you're seeing it in groups that are supposed to be promoting fundamental rights of vulnerable beings, and then they're out there you know doing some of the stuff that's been reported, which is just horrible. Um, so yeah, I think that that's that's good. But I also I think that's very different from saying, oh, well, these groups are run by men, so therefore well, they ought to be run by women. The answer is no. They ought to be run by people. Uh, they ought to be run. They ought to be run by men, women, black, straights, gays, whatever, who promote a very clear moral message that animal exploitation is wrong. And if they're not promoting that message, I don't really give a, give a damn what they look like. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And and I, I you wish know, this were an opportunity for the whole. You know the whole movement to collapse. You know, I mean, it would be so great. Well, it, it, in certain in certain ways, in certain ways, it is. Um, I mean, I think the I think the movement. I'd like I mean, to help it collapse too, as much. Well, as it, possible. you don't really you don't really have to. I mean, it's <laughs> it's doing it by itself. I mean, I think my perception is that the days of the of these charities dominating thinking on these issues is um, is passing. Um, you know, this is in large part because the internet has sort of made these, you know, the internet, the internet now allows communication outside. Remember something, you know, these groups came to power and, and got the dominant positions that they got because they were able to control communication. They can't do that anymore. And, and so I think, you know, I think people are able now, 
the, but the problem is, is that there's now, you know, there's now so much speaking. The marketplace of ideas has gotten so overwhelmed that um, people aren't really thinking. They're not. They're not really. It, the 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 mark the the ability to put input into the marketplace of ideas has increased dramatically at the same time that critical thinking has decreased mm. and so so you know there's a lot of voices out there but a lot of people can't really sort of figure out you know what they can't you know the, the critical analysis is lacking and so um, you know we need to we need to be working in that direction but I I, I have to tell you. Um, I really believe that um, I'm much more optimistic than I was five years ago about the vegan movement actually making making some significant changes. I I, I, I think it will. I think it has. I think that um, you know you're seeing the death throes of these organizations. They're all they're all um, uh, uh, you know trying to. Uh, Trying to trying to hijack the vegan message and you know into veganuary and meatless Monday and all this nonsense. But um, I think that's gonna that's gonna you know one um, more and more. And I also think that a lot of these groups you know are really linked with personalities. And I think that I mean I I I think that um, you know I mean I you know. I think I think that those those days are over with, um, and I think you're going to see a lot more uh, independent thinking. I'd like to. I I mean, I, I I think we need to work on critical. I mean, people really do need. And one of the things that that Anna and I did in Advocate for Animals, um, which is our most recent book, is we have a section in the back. It's an appendix on um, on logic. And we, we provide, you know, some, ba- some you know, basically like 10 fallacies so that people can sort of spot arguments, you know, that, that are that are invalid because they're not they're not valid. Um, and and um, and so, you know, um, but I, I think we need to work more on that on critical thinking um, and and, uh, and and, you know, but I also think that um these organizations are, uh, you know, look, groups like HSUS attract a lot of people who have no desire to become vegans. They're horse people, they're dog people, they're cat people, um, and you know, they they're they they are affirmatively not interested in animal rights. They're not interested in veganism, um, and they promote groups like HSUS, um, you know, precisely because they 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 don't want to go vegan. But I think that there are a lot of people out there who are thinking seriously about veganism and what we need to do is to get to them and and sort of you know get them to think clearly about the issue which means basically you stop eating them wearing them using them you don't have like cage-free eggs occasionally or you know buy leather now and then or you know you don't you don't go with the flexitarian route you you understand the issue as one of fundamental rights and justice and if you do that then you'll, it'll be clear what you need to do. And we, you know, we need to, to educate those people, but there are a lot of them out there and there are more of them out there than I thought there would. I mean, I, I, I really think that the vegan movement is taking off. We just need I think to. There are a lot of people who feel that also someday they're going to go vegan. You know, I, I hear that from people like, yeah, yeah I, I know I, I, I'm, I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I try to get them like on the spot, like, well, what's wrong with today? You know? So, but yeah, no, I, I, I run I into do, a lot of people like that. It seems. I do. I do the same thing. Um, I do the same thing. I'm, and I agree with you. 
I'm meeting lots and lots of people who say, you know, you're right. I'm going to go vegan it's just a matter of time. And I always say, well, wait a minute now. If you've just told me, you know, I, I have a standard way of approaching it because I get it so often that, you know, my, my standard response is, wait, 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 wait. You just told me you're going to go vegan eventually. Yeah. And you just told me you're going to go vegan eventually because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, like, why aren't you not doing it now? Because if you're not doing it now, you're continuing to do something that you've acknowledged is morally wrong. Don't you take morality seriously? And what I generally get is, well, but, you know, I don't know enough. I mean, it, it, you know, it sort of goes in that direction. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go vegan, but this is a big thing. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, it's not. Not a big thing at all. It's easy. It's easy. If you got 15 minutes, you can, like, learn everything you need to learn. It's easy. Um, you know, you eat fruits, yeah. You eat vegetables, yeah. You eat beans, yeah. You eat grains, yeah. You eat seeds and nuts, yeah. You just eat more of those and cut out everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not difficult. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was in England, I I had um, uh, uh, somebody come up to me at the talk. I don't know if the person was a student or not, but somebody who was at the talk came up to me and said, you know, but don't you have any concerns about health? And I said. I said, are you vegan? And she said, no. And I said, you are eating rotting flesh. You are eating the mucus from cows. You are eating chicken ova. Do you not have any concerns about that? And she looked at me and she laughed and she said, you put it that way. I said, well, that's what it is. I said, you know, why do you put meat in the refrigerator? I said, for the same reason when you die, they stick you in a cooler before they embalm you because you'll rot. And and I said, you know, I, I, I said, there's no, you know, I said, I said, you can you can go out there and you can look any reputable health agency or governmental agency or whatever. They're all saying the same thing, which is basically, yeah, you can't live on a diet of iceberg lettuce. Yeah, it's, you've got to have a sensible vegan diet, but they're all saying the same thing, which is basically you can be perfectly healthy with a sensible uh, uh, vegan diet and Many of them are saying the evidence are saying what is true. The empirical evidence is such that you can be healthier. Well, so, and I, uh, I, I have this uh, little uh, li- or not so little uh, life insurance company, Health IQ, yeah. HealthIQ.com/gvr, offering reduced rates, uh, special rates for vegans. So, I mean, what does that say? They're going to throw their money away, or they or, exactly, you know, exactly. I mean, Ka- we'll bet Kaiser, on the people who aren't going to die. You know, Ka- so. Kaiser Permanente says that a vegan diet is is what you know is what you. I mean, these these people are like they're business people, and they're saying, look, you know, you're you're a better health, you're a better insurance risk if you're vegan, and so. So I mean I, I don't I think it's clear I mean we've got there's a lot of ignorance out there about the, about some of the basic things we need to we need to do better I mean I you know I always tell animal people vegans I always tell them you underestimate the extent to which people think they're going to die if they don't eat meat and, and or I've dairy had Dr Esselstyn on this show from the Cleveland Clinic surgeon yeah. you know renowned and he says nobody has to get heart disease you know I mean exactly you know. exactly but Bob. People just don't, you know, the the you know, they just they don't it's, have the information. Ing- we are brainwashed. It's ingrained we are. in us, right? We are totally, we are totally, we are totally brainwashed. 
and we need to educate people better. I mean, you know, I, I carry, I've got like, I've got, you know, in my bag, my shoulder bag. I never have fewer than 20 pens that, you know, www.howdoigovegan.com. I pass them out all the time because people ask me questions and I say, here is a pen. It's one of our, my, one of my websites and it gives you the answer to that question. And if you have further questions, that, you know, we have mentors that will give you, you know, and, and the one thing I can tell you is we're never going to ask you for a donation. We won't accept a donation. This is, you know, the, you know, and, and I have to tell you, you know, um, a lot of people are very, very happy that they can go to howdoigovegan.com or they can go to abolitionistapproach.com. There's nothing there. There's no donate button because we don't want their money. We want their, you know, we want their minds to focus on issues of justice morality and speciesism and and you know, but i have a donate button at goveganradio.com okay i fine i i got you, i got you bob i got you i got you but uh, but you're you know you you know i, well, I got you. i mean i have this is as dedicated to you know like vegan i i i understand so and now that all of these groups are collapsing maybe people who were sending money to hsus would like to you know, I mean, I, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that the sort of people who give money to HSUS ain't never going to give you money. No, no matter just, what. just suggest, uh, just putting it out there. Uh, no, oh, I, 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 I understand. I understand. I understand. By the way, uh, there, there was a um, criticism of you on my uh, on my um, Facebook page. Somebody was upset with your incremental approach to having people go vegan, which I think might have been. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, one week of each, or something to that effect. Somebody was, you know um, what I mean? You know, I, 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 that amazes me that people focus on that. And it makes me think either that they are cognitively challenged or they have um, little integrity because that is a complete mis. What I have said is that I tell people that they should go vegan and they have a moral obligation to go vegan. If someone says to me, Look, I hear what you're saying, but this is so overwhelming to me. The anxiety is just crushing. I actually will spend time with them to the extent that I have the time in a particular situation to spend with them to try to sort of, you know, explain to them that, you know, that there's not, you know, that they, there's no need for them to be anxious and whatnot. But if somebody says to me, Bob, look, I am not going to go vegan immediately. This is overwhelming. I don't know what the hell to do. Then what I will say to them is, well, look, if that's, you know, if that's the way you feel, um, which I don't think is justifiable and I think is is sort of silly. But if that's the way you feel, then what one thing you might do is to do it incrementally and go vegan for breakfast for a week or whatever. And you see that your arms and legs don't fall off. And then you go vegan for lunch and you see your arms and legs don't fall off. And then you go vegan for dinner. And so you do it, you know, one week or two weeks, you know, for lunch, breakfast, lunch and dinner. But I always say, Bob, but let me be clear to the extent that you have acknowledged that you should not be eating animals and you continue to eat them under any circumstance you're doing something morally wrong that you acknowledge is morally wrong and so i'm not going to put in any way an imprimatur on it but if you're if you're feeling overwhelmed that's one way you can deal with it i don't think it's morally right but that's one way you can deal with it as a practical matter now if somebody wants to say that that's an that that's an incremental approach and that it's immoral my view is Go to hell. <laughs> it's that simple. That's the response. Okay. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. 
Um, right, you know, because of course they want to catch you in an incremental, right? That's that's right. The, exactly. The no, no. I mean, look, to catch you, I, you know, incremental. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know the? Do you know? Uh, uh, Bruce Friedrich once tried that on me. Bruce Friedrich, the man who's now pimping, you know, cloned meat or whatever the hell he's doing. And, um, and and also, and, you know, a partner with Nick Cooney. I mean, by the way, you know, Nick Cooney forced out of the animal rights movement, whatever, you know, what's sold to us is the animal rights movement. But look at all of his associations as he was kicked out of Mercy for Animals. He was the founder of the Humane League and also associated with uh, animal equality and uh, animal charity evaluators. And Bruce Friedrich with the... Uh, Friedrich, right? I'm forgetting his name already. Um, with the Good Food Institute, gee, uh, which uh, was from Mercy for Animals. So uh, all all the Nick Cooney cronies here. Yeah, well, so so the bottom line is, I mean, I got you know, but but I remember Bruce Friedrich trying to nail me with the increment. Say, well, you know, you promote incremental, you know, and that is again. Uh, that either means you don't understand what I'm saying or you're engaging in bad faith. There is no third option. You either don't understand it or you're engaging in bad faith by calling that incremental or saying that I'm approving in any way of animal exploitation. I'm not. I'm not in any way approving of animal exploitation. As a matter of fact, I make it clear that I don't, you know, I mean, I spent, I try to spend as much time as I can with people when they say, well, you know, I'm really anxious about this. I don't think I can do this right away. I always say, well, look, what's your concern? Let's talk about it. Sometimes, you know, I don't have time to, you know, to, 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 you know, talk to everybody for as long as they would like to talk. I do my very best. Um, and, you know, and I, I give them pens and I say, look, you know, we've dealt with these issues. There are, we have mentors there. We could talk to you about this stuff. But if somebody says, you know, I, I mean, there are people who really are, made very they become very anxious at the thought of going vegan because they know there are people who who find perhaps there are people who find change as a general matter to be anxiety producing i don't know but you know they they get overwhelmed by it and so i don't like this and i'm i make it very clear that you know it to the extent that they're eating any animal products after they've acknowledged that you know they shouldn't be eating animal products they got a moral quandary they got a moral problem they got to deal with um, but you know, it is, it, you know, it has worked for some people where they say, well, yeah, you know, I eat breakfast for, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, I did it. I, you know, I did, I did, you know, I ate break, I ate vegan for breakfast for, you know, two weeks and then I did lunch for two weeks and then I did dinner and now I'm vegan. And, you know, do I think that's optimal? No. Do I think that's morally wrong? Yes. Do I tell them it's morally wrong? Yes. But, you know, there are some people who say, look, it's just over, it's, you know, overwhelming. So, you know, the person who is on your page either doesn't understand my position or, you know, it lacks moral integrity because to represent my position as incremental in the way that the, you know, that the people were promoting cage free eggs, <laughs> um, you know, uh, to say that that position is no different from that, that of Josh Balk makes me balk um yeah, and say yeah, yeah. you know and say that that's complete nonsense that you simply either don't understand my position or you're misrepresenting it yeah. but this is what i deal with with these animal people it is what it is it is what um, it is it is and i now i i have in five minutes bob 
I have um, another commitment, so I have to leave, take leave of you now. Okay. And um, but um, I I'm uh, when when is, is Wayne Shun coming back on um, to have well, part? Uh, I'll get back in touch with him. I uh, you know it's interesting because I I wanted to have our follow up discussion with him about most of these groups, but <laughs> most of the people are gone. Uh, you know the people I wanted to discuss. Uh, you know the the people he was holding in such high regard. Well, well, but the thing is, is that those organizations are still there, and I'm sure that um, Wayne has transferred his allegiance now from Wayne over to Kitty and and whatever, and, and oh, who's who's, I, who's, oh, and who's now, running? Now Matt Matt Rice has replaced uh, Nathan Runkel. So, um, do you know do you know Matt Rice? Oh the, yes, I know Matt. Yes, yes, indeed, I know Matt. Yes. Now I had big arguments with him on Facebook. Um, back at the time when Mercy for Animals shifted its position and decided to support uh, furnished battery cages. So uh, Matt Rice's argument against me was that I was on the same side as the pork industry uh, on the issue. Um, and uh, But the problem was he was on the same side as... The chicken industry, you know, the the chickens well, didn't well, really you know, have but to I mean, fear I mean, the pork industry in in this, you know. He, he was saying, "Oh, Bob, you know," but but the thing is, they they were opposed to furnished battery cages, and then they supported them. There there's there's there was no argument that he could come up with other than, "Oh, you're on the side of the pork producers." Well, but but look, I, I mean, I've been getting this for years because I oppose animal welfare. I'm on the side of industry because industry fights animal welfare. The general level of ignorance of that position is absolutely breathtaking. <laughs> that these people in the welfare movement don't understand that it's a you know they have, you want to talk about symbiotic relationship. I'll tell you what a symbiotic relationship is. It's the fact that ex, that 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 institutional exploiters and the animal welfare movement have a symbiotic relationship. They clearly do. You know, the animal welfare people identify some problem. The animal, the institutional users resist change. They go through this dance. Eventually, the animal, the exploitation industries give some concession, which is meaningless. The animal, the animal welfare people declare victory. They praise the animal exploiters as concerned about animal welfare. They go to the public and they get their donations. And then they actually think that they're somehow revolutionary and they're changing the animal exploitation industry. Talk about people who have their heads cramped where the sun shineth not. Um, there you have your symbiotic relationship. There, there you, you have the symbiotic relationship. I've got to run. I've got three okay, minutes. We will talk to you next week. I'll we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Bob. Okay, thank thank you. you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. the website goveganradio.com and we have uh, we do have a YouTube channel like it seems like I haven't I never really mentioned it but it is youtube.com slash goveganradio a lot of interesting things over there and uh, what else Twitter at goveganradio radiobobby.com 
the amazingly awesome music radio station. Uh, I do hope uh, that you will support us with a donation. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, right now, we're attempting to organize an event, LA Reggae Vegan Fest, or Reggae Vegan Fest, if it winds up not in LA. Um, and uh, so, yeah, if you can help us out with a tax-deductible donation, it will be an amazing day. I promise you that. And... Uh, I appreciate the help uh, from uh, vegan artist Victoria Hart, who is helping right now. She's helping me get together a logo for L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest or Reggae Vegan Fest. And uh, she is uh, definitely very talented, a very talented artist. You know, time is such a blur. I mean, isn't it? I mean, she's just never enough of it. Or it just races by. Wasn't it just New Year's Day now? Then it was Valentine's Day. And I guess we're coming up on Mother's Day and Father's Day. And then all throughout the year. I mean, the, the birthdays and the graduations. And then it's the holidays again, all over again. And all the last minute shopping, trying to find the right gift. So um, may I suggest the fantastic creative artwork of Victoria Hart that is vegan artist Victoria Hart vegan artist um, and her website is victoriahart.weebly.com victoria h-a-r-t dot w-e-e-b-l-y dot com where you can commission her to do animal portraits so realistic you'll be amazed at the captured essence immortalizing the animals in your life whom you love so dearly wouldn't that be a, a great gift who wouldn't want who wouldn't wa- who wouldn't want why why would why be negative everybody would want the gift of an animal portrait right and you can see examples at victoriahart.weebly.com you can email Victoria, that's victoriahart at gmail.com. And I also would like to suggest that you visit her other page, which is mylifecoloringbook.weebly.com. Now, who wouldn't want, oh, am I being negative again? I should say, everybody would want his or her own unique coloring book or coloring page showcasing the special animals in his or her life everybody would want that right so um check out how it can be done i mean the kids will love it family members i mean it's like a great art project it's very creative check out it's very easy um go to mylifecoloringbook.weebly Dot com. Go Vegan Radio asks you to support your local vegan restaurants, very special places in the community that are serving up the most delicious, nutritious food available, cruelty-free. Check it out if you're in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, the South Bay, San Jose, uh, Silicon Valley. One of the best in the world is Vegetarian House. 
Visit the website vegetarianhouse.us. It's at 520 East Santa Clara Street. Check out the menu. Even if you're not in San Jose, check out the menu just to see, you know, that vegans sacrifice nothing. We sacrifice no one either. Um, so check it out. Vegetarian House caters. If you have a social event coming up, a business event, the food will be great. If you get in touch with Vegetarian House, vegetarianhouse.us. I recommend you check out our recent archives at goveganradio.com. While you're there, have I suggested that perhaps you make a tax-deductible donation? Can you imagine that uh, Wayne Pacelli, uh, with all his abusive uh, workplace practices and all his abusive campaigns for animals, was making about $380,000 a year? So that means over $1,000 a day had to be donated to the Humane Society of the United States um, just for his salary. And right now, if uh, if we could get donations that total just, you know, a day or two of Wayne Pacelli's salary, we can make a lot of things happen. There's a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. There are also over 600 programs archived, including a recent one with Eric Weissman of uh, Evolution, Vegan Dog and Cat Food, very important that you listen to that show. We're talking about the presence of euthanizing drugs in commercial so-called pet food. Euthanizing drugs found in very common brands. And uh, apparently it's because uh, dogs and cats are ground up and thrown into uh, that uh, so-called pet food, thrown into the feed of the animals whom you eat, and uh, voila, euthanizing drug present, not present in evolution, vegan dog and cat food, 25% off dry food for new customers, call 659-0104, you get 20% off dry food and 10% off canned food on phone orders only when you call on the first Wednesday of any month. Again, that number is 800-659-0104. It's really important. Really important. There has never been a recall of Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food, which has been around now for nearly uh, three decades, about 30 years. Not one recall and no euthanizing drugs in evolution so daisy loves it too if you want to support a hot and sexy vegan fashion line go to sonusdenim.com sonus is spelled s like in strawberry o like in onion n is in nut a is in apple S as in strawberry, and then denim as in denim.com. Sonusdenim.com. The jeans are made with, uh, uniquely made with over 50 patches of denim here in sunny, drought stricken, wildfire burnt California. Great looking denim, great feeling for men and women. Also, yoga pants available too from sonusdenim.com, S-O-N-A-S-Denim.com. And 
Visit possumswelcome.org to learn about an animal sanctuary in the making. This nonprofit is seeking coastal land for a farm animal sanctuary with a vision including a vegan cafe, uh, bed and breakfast, weekly seminars on being vegan, veganic farming, cooking, yoga, etc. Help make the dream come true. Visit possumswelcome.org or email Christine at possumswelcome.org. I think that just about does it. I can go back to listening to Radio Bobby now. I'm uh, very excited about that. I'm as excited about that as uh, uh, witnessing the continuing collapse of what has been sold to us as the animal rights movement. So we can finally, and, and you know, we'll just sweep it all up and uh, I guess we'll have to put it in the toxic waste bin. We don't want to recycle. We don't want to recycle. We don't want a paint job. We just want to uh, get on with what the animals really need. What the animals need, what the planet and people really need is uh, vegan movement, vegan education, and vegan activism, to which we are dedicated, and we hope you will support our efforts with a tax donation at Go 